Namaskar, friends. Welcome back to the show. Are you ready to go on a journey with me? (laughs) Are you ready to go on this nearly month-long journey with me through India? Today, I am starting my story with my first day of travels. And as I've mentioned in a couple of previous episodes, I'll be sharing the next 20 plus episodes with you day by day, telling my India story and everything I went through. And I will admit that India was chaos from the start. And I didn't even know what to expect. (laughs) And all that was told to me from others who had traveled through the country, everyone said, you can't explain it until you've actually been there. And I would agree with that, but I'm going to do my best to explain it now, to tell you a story, to take you there as if you're going along the month-long journey with me. Namaste, and welcome to the Follow Your Path podcast. I'm your host, Vina Lene Rachel. I'm a moon priestess, intuitive, emotional alchemist, and channeler of the divine, and I've been diving into the world of the spiritual and metaphysical for over a decade now to self-heal my own trauma, become more emotionally stable, and cultivate my manifestation magic. I am so excited to now be bringing these same tools and techniques to you on this channel. There are a variety of ways for us to work on our higher selves. We can use practices like yoga, meditation, and breath work. We can receive energy work, crystal healing, or pull to row and oracle cards. We can call in our angels, ancestors, spirit guides, spirit animals, or more. Or maybe we find more alignment with astrology and the moon. I'm going to hold space for it all here on this channel. As you navigate each episode, I hope you find the guidance and wisdom you need to find your own path of self-healing and magic. May you become confident and courageous enough to continue to follow the path that best serves you. Thank you so much for tuning into this channel and trusting me to be a part of your unique journey. It truly is an honor to do this work and be here. Let's dive into today's episode. Let's start by talking about my flight, my journey to get to the other side of the world and If you haven't listened to my previous couple of episodes, you might want to go back and check that out because I too talk about a series of events leading up to the trip just a few weeks before. And I also talk about my why, why I decided to go to India, why I wanted to travel to the other side of the world. And another thing that I reference in those episodes is the fact that my husband didn't really want me to go on the trip. It wasn't about me being restricted or him not wanting me to travel. There was just a series of events leading up to the retreat. You know, the leader deciding not to go, upsetting me. I was dealing with some disappointment around the trip, and my husband 
was like, don't go. I mean, of course, he would have rather me not gone on a one-month journey to the other side of the world alone, but he just wasn't sure if it was the right trip for me. But I did decide to go, and I have to say that just before he dropped me off at the airport, he kind of switched his gears, and he went from saying that he didn't want me to go, kind of pressuring me into that, to actually accepting the fact that he understood that I needed to go. I had told him I had received a divine message to go to India, that I needed to go in order to become a mother, that I knew that this was my next step before we had started our fertility journey. So I think when it finally came down to it and me getting ready to leave, he realized how important that was to me too. So as he was dropping me off to the airport, he got pretty emotional and with us having so much conflict and so much tension leading up to the trip, it was nice to have that exchange before I stepped on the plane instead of maybe a conflict or something that would fuel me into, you know, making a decision to end my marriage or something like that. I left going to the airport, left to go to India with us in a really good place in our hearts for each other and both having a little bit of a conversation about how we know that sometimes we have things come along in our lives that we have to do in order to grow, in order to evolve and become a better person. And so I am grateful that my he's still my life, spoiler alert, my husband. <laughs> I'm so grateful that he continues to be like that with me, but I'm so grateful that he saw that then in 2017 and saw that I needed to go on this trip in order to, you know, work on myself and heal myself and become a better mother to our future child. So my travels to India were pretty uneventful. I did have some travel anxiety with my layover in Istanbul. Now during 2017, especially during November of 2017, relations between the United States and Donald Trump and Turkey were not so good. But when I originally chose my flight to fly to Delhi from Chicago, my only options for layover were either Istanbul or the Oman. And Sorry, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through the Oman as a white American female, all alone. I felt safer to go through Istanbul, so I chose that route. But of course, I booked my flight months and months and months ago before political relations came about, and things were a little a little tense between the U.S. and Turkey when I was traveling through. It was also interesting because when I had my layover in Istanbul, we weren't in the main airport. They actually kept our flight in this little connecting area where there were only a few little flights that would connect on. And I was the pretty sure I was the only American amongst that group, amongst that flight. And everybody around me in my layover was clearly either going to Delhi or going to Africa. <laughs> so an interesting experience in Istanbul, and I wasn't quite sure if I would be okay there, um, because one of the other things I noticed in the connecting terminal is that all of the women were um, covered, 
their faces were covered, uh, totally respectful of that culture, by the way. But I also do not have myself covered or my face covered. And in fact, I even took some time to do a little yoga practice in the terminal in between my layover because I'd been on a flight like all night. And um, I was accepted. Everything was okay. I, I didn't get in trouble. I didn't have anybody say anything to me. I might have had some looks <laughs> from both men and women alike as I'm definitely dressed differently and doing a yoga practice. But I, w- I was very respectful and I kind of kept to myself and hid myself off in my little bubble and took care of myself and passed the time as I could. Now, the trouble came when I actually got on my flight to head to Delhi. So I was actually flying into Calcutta when all was said and done, but I had to have another connecting flight in Delhi. So I flew from Chicago to Istanbul And then I flew from Istanbul to New Delhi, and then from there I flew on to Calcutta. Now, our flight was slightly delayed, so when I got into Delhi, I only had a 30-minute window to get to my next flight. Now, this means that I'm also coming in from another country, so I have to go through customs. I've got to present my visa. I've got to have my luggage checked and rechecked. I mean, there's a lot that has to be done when you're flying country to country and you have a layover in another country in between. And I deal with travel anxiety. It's been something I've been dealing with most of my life and something that I've been working on. But one of the biggest anxieties that I have when I travel is that I'm going to miss my flight. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I feel that way. I've rarely ever missed a flight. It's never been my fault when a flight's been missed. And I even, I have regular dreams, probably weekly at this point in the recording. I probably have a dream at least weekly, if not more often, where I'm missing some sort of flight. So I was basically triggered in India right from the start. You know, I could never truly realize what I was signing up for when I chose to go to India. I knew that I was going to go deeper into the journeys of yoga and Hinduism and Tantra, and I was going to go on a journey with the Shakti, but I never knew how much of my shadow side that I would encounter right from the beginning of my trip. So it all starts with, you know, this chance that I'm going to miss my flight in Delhi after already traveling for nearly two days. It takes about two days of flying to get to the other side of the world. If you're trying to go from America to India, it's going to take some time. And here I am, I've been traveling for almost two days, I'm exhausted, and now I have 30 minutes to get to my flight. And customs is not easy to get through. It's very interesting that I go on this journey to India to find my inner feminine and to break out of my masculine and to also break free of maybe masculine energy that's been dominating me. Well, I don't know if you know this about India, but there's a pretty strong patriarchy going on there and there's discrimination against women. There's a lot of sexism going on in India. And of course, when I go up to customs to get my visa checked. It's a couple of male uh, security officers that are checking my paperwork. So I basically get the third degree. 
I get asked, I don't even know how many questions as to why I'm in India, how long I'll be traveling, where I'll be going, why I chose it in the first place, where I'm coming from. I mean, just question after question after question. I'm sweating bullets because I need to get to my gate. I finally get through. I'm triggered tenfold and I finally get through and I have 10 minutes. (laughs) I have 10 minutes to get to my gate. So of course I'm going through my first trigger. I'm thinking in my head, you know, my anxiety is popping up and I'm having this inner panic of I'm not going to make my flight. I'm going to miss it. I won't get another flight until tomorrow. One of the things that I didn't mention is at the time of my travels and probably even now, air pollution is pretty bad in the Delhi area. And the air pollution is so thick in the morning times that planes have to get off the ground really before the sunrise or before the sun comes up for visibility purposes. So I'm getting into Delhi before sunrise and my plane has to get off the ground before the sun comes up. And so I'm, I know that if I don't get this flight, that I'm probably not going to get another flight until that evening. So I'm frantically rushing through the New Delhi airport. I am trying to figure out where I'm at. I only had carry-on luggage, by the way, so I'm dragging my carry-on luggage. I'm sweating. I'm nearly in tears thinking I'm not going to make my flight. And then one of the airport employees that drives one of those carts around, she sees me. She sees me in a panic. She picks me up. She tells me not to worry. She tells me to take a deep breath and she's going to get me to my gate. Ma'am, ma'am, don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. So my gate turns out the gate information that I was given by customs is the wrong gate. And my gate is actually all the way on the other side of the New Delhi airport. Thank goodness this angel swept me up in the airport because she got on her walkie-talkie. She sent a message over to the gate and they waited on me and she got me there. Now, I got a little triggered when I got to the gate because as soon as I got done, I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. She puts out her hand and she says, a tip would be appreciated, ma'am. And I am not against tipping. I grew up as a server and a bartender for many, many years. I've grown up in tipping culture. I tip very well, but I am not prepared to tip this lady. I do not have any Indian currency. I don't even know how much American I have. I'm trying to get in my gate before the plane leaves and she's wanting me to dig out some money and tip her. (laughs) So I tell her I don't have any Indian currency. She goes, American is fine. So I dig out like a $5, $10, I don't even know, threw her some money, thanked her again, and then got on my plane. I really felt like it was rigged. (laughs) I'll say it. I felt like there was some situation where I was told the wrong gate on purpose, and then this woman swept me up and brought me to my gate and then made some money out of it. I, I honestly feel like that's what happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it did. At the time, I didn't think so. But in hindsight, I think there was probably some sort of some sort of uh, <laughs> scheme going on there. But regardless, I get on my plane to Calcutta. Everything is good. Plane takes off. We arrive in Calcutta an hour or so later. 
and I'm excited to get started with my journey, right? I'm excited to be in the city I'm supposed to be in. I've made it. Now I just have to get my luggage and get through customs and get out of the airport and uh, get picked up by my group. So I don't know if you've ever been in an airport in India, but you can't linger in the airport. You can't hang around and wait on people. They pretty much usher you out of the airport immediately. Now there's a a very large population in India, especially in Calcutta. So I understand the reasoning behind, you know, people not lingering in the airport. But me, not ever being in this country before, feeling a little intimidated as these military guards with automatic weapons around their chest are um, pressuring me to get the heck out of the airport. (laughs) So I get out of the airport. I walk outside um, into a sea of what was the population at the time, somewhere around 20 million people. And no joke, when I walk out of the airport, there is a crowd of people picking up people, drivers and taxis and whatnot. So I just start scanning the crowd. I'm looking for somebody with a sign with my name on it or something that says like Sublime Shakti Pilgrimage or you know some sort of sign that my person is there to pick me up. Well, I don't see anything. I don't see anybody. I don't see anything. My flight's on time. The people in charge of picking us up have my flight information. They confirm that they're going to pick me up from the airport and nobody's there. Trigger number two, right? So in my mind, in my anxious, panicked mind, I'm saying, oh, I missed my pickup or plans changed and I didn't find out about it. Now I'm going to have to take a taxi and I don't know where I'm going and I don't have any money and I'll probably get ripped off and I'll probably get kidnapped. And that's that, (laughs) right? Talk about travel anxiety. So after going through a mild panic attack, I decide to just eat my international charges to make a phone call to the only number that I had had in emails, this international number, and see what's going on. Luckily, I have service. I give the number a call, and this gentleman answers. His name is Partha, and he says, yeah, hi, I'm I'm looking right at you. I'm here. I'm looking at you. And he waves his hands, and all of a sudden, I see him in the crowd of people. Now, why he didn't make an effort to get my attention before I called, I mean, I'm pretty much the only... <laughs> There's not a lot of white American women hanging out looking a little lost and panicky. I'm not sure why they didn't have a sign to let me know that they were there, but I'll breathe through it, right? Breathe kind of becomes the theme (laughs) of my India trip, and it starts on day one. So I take a deep breath and I go, okay, like this is just a different culture. People do things differently here. The key is this person is here. I'm getting picked up. All is well. And as Partha picks me up and kind of brings me out of the crowd, there's a couple of other people that are on our pilgrimage and he's just waiting on flights and whatnot and gathering everybody up. So good news. I see other people on our trip, getting situated, getting ready to get our taxis. And then it turns out that we need to pay for our taxi coming up. Now, 
Originally, we were supposed to have transportation provided to and from everywhere, including the airport, on our trip. And now all of a sudden I'm getting asked to spend money. I don't know what the exchange rate is. I don't have any Indian currency. But Partha says, it's okay, it's okay. And he ushers me over to an Indian ATM and tells me to grab out 5,000 rupiah. Again, I'm like, I don't know how much that is, but I'm going to trust. (laughs) And I pull it out and all is well and I have some cash and we get in the taxi. I'm not very happy about this situation. I'm not happy that nobody has a sign to let me know I'm there and I have to have a panic attack before I realize that things are okay. I'm not too excited about the fact that now I'm paying for transportation that I wasn't supposed to pay for, but it's okay, it's, it's all good. I uh, get a little culture shock on the way to the hotel. <laughs> Calcutta is noisy, it's hot, it's stuffy, it's polluted. It's like nothing you've ever seen unless you've been to a place like it. The driving is insane, but I can't let these travel anxieties get to me, right? I can't worry that we're going to get in an accident. I can't worry that this taxi driver is going to kidnap us and take us off somewhere. I just have to breathe. I have to trust the voyage. I ease off my anxieties. I just kind of talk with my taxi mates and get to know some people on our group and just get to the hotel, right? So we finally get to our hotel, kind of in the middle of the city of Calcutta. It seems okay. It seems pretty decent, pretty nice. I've been told that other uh, pilgrim mates aren't there yet. Other pilgrims aren't there yet. And so I can check into my room. I can get some water. I can take a little nap. We'll meet up later that night. So I get my room, I get some water. By the way, I have to send somebody across the street to buy me bottled water because you don't drink the water in India and they didn't have any bottled water in the hotel. But I get my water, I get my key to my room, I have to convince somebody for five minutes not to take my bag because I realize that they're wanting a tip for it and I've already tipped to go get the water and I've tipped for the taxi and I've tipped the airport lady earlier and I'm realizing that we're in a country of tipping culture and yeah, so after a slight aggressive no thank you with my bags, I get my bags, I get my room, I go inside and I get ready to take a shower Seems like a pretty clean room, uh, no no complaints. I've never seen a bathroom like this before. I walk into the bathroom of the, the room and the toilet and the shower and the sink are all in the same room. There's also a shower, but also a bucket. I'm not really sure what that's about, <laughs> but I turn on the hot water in the shower. I let it run over me. I rinse myself off from two days of flying and traveling and stress sweating and panic and I change clothes and I get ready to lay down my bed and I peel back the covers and there's definitely hairs on the bed it's definitely a dirty bed I would I don't know how dirty uh the sheets don't look terribly dirty but there's definitely hairs which is a trigger for me I don't know if anybody else has a trigger about hair being on a bed or a bathtub or a shower or food or whatever, I have a major trigger there. So here comes trigger number three of my first day in India, right? Something along the lines of the anxiety in my head goes, I'm going to get bed bugs. 
right? So I put on a hoodie and I pull it over my head and I pull the covers back over the bed and I sleep on top of the bed with my neck pillow for a pillow and I breathe and I hope for the best of things and I do finally fall asleep. A few hours later, I wake up to the noise of the city. Again, Calcutta is very noisy. India is very noisy. There is a lot of car noise, animal noise, lots of horns honking, lots of chaos, lots of energy. So I get woken up by the noise of the city. I change, I decide to go downstairs, meet the group. I meet all the people that are gonna be in our uh, pilgrimage together. Everybody seems really cool, really nice. We start talking about, you know, everybody getting their room and getting checked in. Now, remember, I already have my room. I'm all checked in. I've got my room. My, my luggage is put away. I'm good to go. And then we're told that the hotel has been overbooked. And not only do some of us have to share a room with somebody, they we have to share a bed <laughs> with somebody. Now, we had options when I originally signed up for this pilgrimage. We had options to have a semi-private room or a private room. And I wanted to have a private room as much as possible. And I paid that rate to have a private room. So here I am, triggered again. Trigger number four now. I've already had some money taken from me unexpectedly. And now I'm having a situation happen that I paid to not happen, right? And in my anxieties, in my head, I'm telling myself this story that, you know, I chose this journey for personal reasons. I wanted to have a lot of privacy. I'm not getting this. It's only my first day. I'm super triggered from, from this entire day in India, from my entire journey so far. I really need some downtime. I need to do my practices. I need to calm my energy. And now not only do I have to share a room with a stranger, I've got to sleep in the same bed as this stranger. I don't know this person. I've not slept with them before. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> Talk about a trigger, right? So I try to make the most of it. Many of us were not happy on this first day when we find out that we have to share beds with people, right? Definitely something you shouldn't ever have to do on a group of people. You know, if you're with a group of people, mumbling a little bit here, but if you're traveling and you go on a journey with a group of people you've never met, you should probably not have to share a bed with a stranger your first night if you chose not to do that. But regardless, I, put a smile on my face, I take a deep breath, I get to know my roomie, my, my bedmate a little bit. She seems like a really nice gal. We get checked into our room and then we go back downstairs. We all decide to go out to eat. We go out to some restaurant. We all eat family style because many of us don't know what anything is on the menu. Luckily, we have a few people that have traveled to India before, so they order family style for us. We all eat, our bellies are full, we're very happy. We go back to the hotel and we get ready to prepare for our first night and our real first day the next day. So I talk a little bit with my roommate. We talk about our days. We talk about our triggers because we've both been triggered. And we just decide that this is the, the fire that we're being thrown into, <laughs> right? 
and the chaos that we signed up for. So with that, me and my roommate, we do a little bit of our bedtime practices. I do a little yoga. She does a little reading. And then we go to sleep and prepare for our first full real day of our journey. What a first day. (laughs) Words can't even describe the highs and lows that I went through on my very first day of my pilgrimage. And I knew it was going to be an experience. And everybody that's ever gone through India will tell you that it's a triggering experience and it's full of highs and lows and ups and downs and it's full of chaos and it's full of shadow work. But I could have never imagined how much I would have been triggered, you know, within the first not even 12 hours of my journey. But I also knew that this was a sign, right? Like this was a sign of things to come. This was a sign of the deep work that I was going to need to do on myself. I knew that India was both the medicine and the sickness that I would have to journey through in order to shed this layer of who I was and become a different person. So I hope this gives you a little bit of a glimpse into my first glimpse of India. Again, imagine a city of 20 million people. Imagine driving through six to 10 lanes of traffic that is literally bumper to bumper in chaos. A city where everything is growing vertically because there's no more room to grow horizontally. And everything is very dirty and poor and quite sad, to be honest, from my perspective, coming from America and coming into this third world country for the first time and really seeing things. And man, I uh, couldn't have imagined what I would have seen and experienced and energetically felt and been exposed to in that first day. But it's only the beginning of the journey. And from here, there is much, much more to share and to talk about. So in my next episode, I'll be sharing my first full day of my spiritual pilgrimage. I will share my adventures through Calcutta and going to the Shiva Kali temple and also our journey into the villages of West Bengal and into Bakweshwar, India. I can't wait to tell you about my time in the village. I can't wait to tell you about my experience in my very first temple in India and my very first steps into the Ganges River. I'll be sharing all about it in the next episode. Until then, may we all be happy. May we all be healthy. May we all feel safe and no peace. And may we all feel love, be loved, and love one another. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Blessed be. I hope today's message served you. 
If you enjoy the Follow Your Path podcast, I would love for you to leave a review. As a thank you, every month I do a drawing from the reviews and I choose one person to win a free one hour, one-on-one soul coaching session with me. This can be done in person or online depending on where you are. I also feature reviews on my website and social media, so thank you for the feedback and the testimonials. It truly is an honor to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to meeting with you again in the next episode.